Lord God Almighty, move among us this day so that we, your people, may always feel and sense your divine power and presence. For we need to know that we are never alone. And speak to us this day in such a way that we may always hear, understand, and remember. Give us your word by which you mold and shape our living. For we need your word to live eternally. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. People often ask me, what is the purpose for preaching, or why do you preach, or do you have some way in which you determine what you're going to preach on or how you're going to preach it? And for me, a sermon is an opportunity to take a discrete passage of Scripture, work with it, think about it, pray with it, read it in the original language or in multiple translations, and consider how a passage can be best understood both by those who originally heard it and by us here today. I like to consider what might the passage mean for us today and how that passage can help us to live today, spiritually and physically, emotionally, relationally. Scripture can have a multitude of meanings. If anyone tells you, if, if I tell you that a discrete passage of Scripture has only one meaning, well, then I'm either lying to you or I've bought too deeply into my own understanding at that particular moment. There are so many avenues to approach today's passages, so many questions that could be asked of this particular reading that this sermon could take hours and hours, but so don't worry about that. That's not going to take hours. <laughs> How is Jesus our gate? And what does it mean for us to have abundant life? Now, I really want to start by focusing in on the first part, the gate question. Most preachers really want to focus on that first question, that Jesus is our gate, our one door, our way of salvation, and that there is no other way. That's the theme in John's gospel, by the way. However, it's never as simple as it's usually articulated. For instance, the phrase usually used here is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, what does that mean? So many think it means that believing in Jesus is how it's done. But is that what it says? Or does it mean that Jesus' way of living Jesus' approach to people, Jesus' understanding of faith and of the Scriptures, Jesus' approach to the law, Jesus' approach to the things of the Spirit, is it the way of Jesus' life that we are called to follow? Now, I could spend hours on this one too, but don't, don't worry, I, I, I won't. Jesus here says that he's the gate. And the contextual metaphor in play here of the sheep makes it clear that a big part of the problem is that the sheep hear and respond and follow. It's an active response, not just a mental one, not just an intellectual one that the sheep are having. It is 
a relational one. It's a way of living. The way of Jesus is always one that elicits action on our part. Not just beliefs, thoughts, or prayers, but responses that are active, that change us, change those around us, can change the world. This is true of all the aspects of the spiritual life. It's not just about navel-gazing, oh, I found some lint there. No, it's, it's about doing something, discovering within yourself the calling that God has on your life, responding, and then doing. And that's very important in the very end of our reading today. The thief comes to steal, to, t- to kill, and to destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, a lot of people want to roost on that thief bit. And in fact, as a United Methodist pastor, that term thief is sometimes used of me. Some people have used that of me to say that I'm a thief, and it has nothing to do with my beliefs about Jesus, nothing to do about my beliefs about God, nothing to do with my beliefs about the faith, nothing to do even with my beliefs about the Bible. It has everything to do with my identity as a gay man. Because of that, I've been called a thief. But that's not what Jesus calls me. Jesus calls me a child of God. Jesus calls me his sibling, his brother. And Jesus calls all of us children of God, sisters and brothers and siblings in the body of Christ. So what is this abundant life bit? So many seem to think that abundance is an accumulation of things, of stuff, of possessions, of those little slips of paper with very important people printed on them that we call dollars, money. And there never seems to be enough of abundance of that, does there? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not about stuff that we accumulate, not about the things that we can accumulate or the money that we can earn or have or be given to us. We're not called to have an abundance of stuff. The word being translated into English as the adverbial abundantly has a range of meanings that includes a profuse or large amount of something, but at its heart and more fundamentally the word means extraordinary, unusual, not usually encountered, remarkable, notable, exceptional, over and above what is expected or what is usual, superior, surpassing, uncommon. Those ideas are all part of the original word used here that is translated abundantly. And as an adverb, it modifies the action, the having of it. Wow. We often think it applies to the word life, but it applies to the having of life. 
Life in the physical sense, yes. But even more particularly, life in the spiritual, emotional, relational sense. And it's the having of it that is abundant, that is exceptional, that is extraordinary, that is uncommon, that is beyond expectation. Jesus came that we would have exceptionally have, abundantly have, abundantly live, abundantly enjoy the life that we have been given. Jesus came that we would have an extraordinary, beyond ordinary, remarkable, notable, unusual, unexpected life, being, existence, and experience. An extraordinary life that can be in many ways experienced in ordinary ways. Now you're going to hear a whole lot about my great Aunt Lucy during my years here. My great Aunt Lucy was an extraordinary woman. She was a woman of great faith, great laughter, great love, and great size. She was over six feet tall and wide to match, and when you would go up to her, and she'd lean over and say, oh, honey, she'd wrap her arms around you, and you would disappear <laughs> in her love and her petticoats. She lived in Minden, Louisiana, with her life partner, my, who we called my great-aunt Kaki, and they both cooked amazing Cajun food, blackened everything, and it wasn't burned, friends, it was yummy. When we would visit her when I was young, I always loved going there because the smells that would waft out of that kitchen would be incredible. And I knew my great Aunt Lucy would be cooking up a mess of collard greens and chicken and pork, and it would be so delicious. An extraordinary, abundant, profuse, exceptional, unexpectedly wonderful, except we expected it knowing it would be there, unbelievably wonderful supply of incredible, tasty, wonderful, extraordinary food. My Aunt Lucy didn't have much of the things of life. She ran a bread and breakfast there in Minden, but she had much life, much joy, much love, much laughter, much faith. She had an abundant life that Jesus talks about here, the abundant life, the life of abundance. The having of it was abundant for her and exploded around her and what she would do, and how she lived, and how she treated others, and how she would feed anyone who came to her back door for chicken, collard greens, mashed potatoes, peas, wonderful food. You'll hear lots about my great Aunt Lucy. But one aspect of her life that always strikes me and sticks with me is that she was an embodiment of God's grace. 
never-ending, always overflowing, always embracing, always extraordinary, always abundant, a life full of grace. And grace is God's love incarnate amongst us, God's never-ending, always present, always seeking, always expanding, undeserved, undeservable, unearned, unearnable, love and favor, life and existence. Jesus comes that we may have this life, the life of God's grace, living in us, exploding out from us, shared with others, not hoarded internally. You know, when I went over to see her, I wanted to have all that wonderful food, and I wanted to eat it. And sometimes I get in an argument with my brother about, you going to get that last piece of chicken or am I? Well, you know what? There's always more chicken, friends. God's grace is like that. It's a never-ending, overabundant, extraordinary, extravagant, lavish supply of God's love showered upon us because God is love. And we are called to live that life, the life of abundant love for others, the life of abundant grace for others. We're called to live that life for others. And I believe, at least right now, that that is what it means to hear the voice of the shepherd, to follow the shepherd, to go through that gate into the love of God, living the life that Jesus expressed and lived and calls us to follow. Let us do that. Let us continue to do that as Grace Church. Let us be about sharing the grace, the extravagant love of God with all. The love of God that never ends. The love of God that knows no boundaries, a love of God that welcomes us all and enfolds us all with grace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Let me and may God's people say.